say in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy you're spending some time with us. Chip and Zay, we talking sugar bowl, baby, three days. Three days to the sugar bowl. My man Zay is packing his bags, getting ready to get his round mound of rebound ass down here to <laughs> Maryland. Shout out to Charles Barkley, baby. Yeah, man. If I'm eating like Chuck, then I know I'm having a good time. So Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah, uh it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I'm not gonna lie, Zay. Went out last night. Yeah, it, man. I was about to ask you that. How'd that go? How was date night? It was good, man. We went uh went had some great I mean everything. The etouffee, the jambalaya, the gumbo. Man, the redfish, the red beans and rice got got a little bit of everything. Got the taste of New Orleans platter at uh, the uh, New Orleans Creole Company, which is a nice little spot. Um, weather's great, so yeah, it's time. It's time. Yes, somebody on the Coda text line, 512-222-9328, asked me, Zay, your wife's letting you go? Yes, she's actually helping me pack. So, yeah, shout out to wifey, man, for being a real one and letting your boy go to the no by well, myself. Jesse doesn't want, she doesn't want to be in the car with all you yeah. crazies for seven hours. She doesn't want to live in the frat house so she's letting you you know get your get your sugar bowl on that's awesome jesse's oh, the I'm, best I'm, yeah she's amazing and she knows if i have any beads and women want some beads for your boy she knows i can hand them out <laughs> i'm all about handing them out not touching but i will hand them out nothing hand wrong them out. with that i'm just embracing the culture that's all I'm just right. in the culture. If the New Orleans culture. If any woman's willing to accept bees from me, we know how that goes there. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm not going to be one to say no. So no. she knows She knows that. You know, boy's going to have a good time. You know what I'm saying? So very oh, yeah. excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, today we uh, – we got to talk to the offensive side of the football yesterday. And, and first of all, thank you. I should put my glasses back on to read off all of our incredible sponsors. I mean, from Hoops ATX, HoopsATX.com. Don't get your kids video games. Get them a basketball hoop. Get them an in-ground basketball hoop that's adjustable so they can dunk as kids and as their game grows, the hoop goes up to 10 feet, cover three, the ultimate place for uh, fine, you know, high-end food and a place to watch the game. Uh, more, more clean, um, HummelRealtor.com, Domino's, Hat Creek, Hat Creek Burger Company started by, yes, uh, CB, started by Drew Gressick, former member of the 2003 Final Four Texas basketball team, started it as a food truck behind Star Bar on West 6. Now look at him. Got Hat Creek locations all over the great state of Texas. Uh, Lake Cliff Golf Club. 
Um, I mean, we got it going. We appreciate every uh, and good stock, of course, good stock. And uh, and so Sue Patrick, we appreciate all of our incredible Sugar Bowl sponsors. And yeah, uh, and uh, Brad Buckman used to give CC fits during their Westlake days together. Talk about an unstoppable pick and roll duo. Good grief. Drew Gresson, obviously he wanted to be a Longhorn and he walked on there. He could have played D1 elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, Drew. I that. He could hoop. He was a scrapper. Yeah. He's a scrapper. And now look at him. He's, you know, had a vision for a great burger. And, and, uh, and Hat Creek, of course, is a great place for the family. So parents take the kids, let them play in the playgrounds while you enjoy a, a a drink, some wine, whatever. And the whole neighborhood goes to Hat Creek over there at uh, the Westlake location. So um, great spot, proud of Drew. Uh, but Zay, yesterday we got the we sort of got the headliners. Yesterday the the Washington offense, Michael Penix, the offensive line. Um, the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line, Roma Dunze, and then we got the Texas defense, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford. And that there was some banter. We'll we'll get into that. Um, you know, Sweat saying, you know, there's just another offensive line to me, and old boy saying, what they won the Joe Moore Award, and he's like, I won awards too. They got to face us. So, and then Michael Penix came in later after our show and Michael Penix was like, Hey man, it's not like we're facing the 49ers D line or the Eagles D line. That, 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 that perked up some ears. I, w I was waiting for somebody to say something crazy. I love that Michael Penix. I love that. Cause again, both leaders on their opposing sides, Michael Penix, the leader of that Washington offense, Devondre Sweat, the leader of this Texas defense, both of them had something to say. Now, I think Michael Penix talking, they ain't the 49ers, they ain't the Eagles. That's a little bit more spicy. And, you know, if I'm Pete Kwiatkowski's defense, I'm thinking, okay, cool. Because that clearly you're not respecting us. You know what I'm saying? So, which you could say the same thing with what Trevondre Sweat said about that Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for Washington. But, yeah, man, bring it on. Both teams are hella confident. And that's why you, how you got to be when you get to this point in the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is – that's that's a great way to say it. These teams are confident, man. That's what you like. You know, I said if this was like a pre-fight – press conference you'd have both fighters right here in each other's face <laughs> for that for that uh pre-fight photo op i mean these teams are both confident and it's it's gonna i just think it's gonna come down to some little nitty gritty type special team stuff probably because that's how evenly matched these teams are but um today we got the Texas offense, and we'll hear from the Washington defense later today. But, um, you know, today it was Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, Adnan Mitchell, Christian Jones, JT Sanders. Um, you know, just uh, 
and in confidence. I mean, Quinn Ewers, I, I wrote about Adonai Mitchell, AD, because it is truly crazy to think about the fact that he has a touchdown catch in each of the last four college football playoff games. I mean, JT Sanders, I asked him about it, and he's like, dude, do you know how crazy that is? Like, it's hard enough to get to one college football playoff, play in one college football playoff game. He's got touchdown catches in four in a row. He said, that's the kind of guy I want on my team for this game. And and A.D. Mitchell is so low-key. Like, if you don't ask him about it, he doesn't bring it up. The teammates all said, like, he doesn't ever bring it up. He doesn't be like, hey, man, check out my rings. He said he's got a picture of his rings on his phone somewhere. But he's like, they're locked up at the crib at his, at his parents. Um, but the bottom line is, a hey, this guy, there's no stage too big for this guy. I mean, you know, he was, he was asked about, he was dancing on the sideline of the Alabama game in the fourth quarter when they played Dixieland delight, which is their big pump up song. And he's over there dancing. And then he goes out and catches two fourth quarter touchdown catches against the Crimson Tide on September 9th, including the go ahead touchdown um, right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And he caught the last touchdown of the game, a 39-yarder that put him up 34-24. This dude, ice water, man. You know how everybody's like, hey, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm shooting ice water in my veins. <laughs> that dude's that dude's already got it. He doesn't need to shoot it in there. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, it is, and this has been an unbelievable year for Adonai Mitchell coming from Georgia, which a lot of people to this day are still questioning that decision. I mean, why would you leave a team that won back-to-back championships? You would think that would be the best place for your trajectory on getting to the NFL, and Adonai Mitchell being the man that he is, he said no. You know what I'm saying? Like, as much as I love Athens and Kirby Smart and whatever the culture is there, I want to go back home. I'm a Texas boy representing H-Town. We know that he has a daughter. He talked about that in his press conferences and talked about how NIL has benefited him with paying for his daughter's daycare and, you know, this and that. Like, he just – his head's – on the right shoulders, man. It's just one of those guys. He understands that even though he's a great football player, there's more to life than football. And when you just have that type of mindset, like you always root for guys like that. So yeah, I'm steady rooting for Adonai Mitchell game in and game out. And again, like we said yesterday, this moment ain't too big for him at all. Like he knows how much attention Xavier Worthy gets and he knows that benefits him to be as open as he is, you know, throughout the season. And we talked to Softy yesterday who did a hell of a job, him and Brock. But Softy said as good as Jabbar Muhammad is, Elijah Jackson, the other corner on the other side, has been pretty suspect all year long. So one of those guys is going to have to guard Xavier Worthy or Adonai Mitchell. You know what I'm saying? Which Jabbar Muhammad, that's Malik Muhammad's cousin, which that's going to be a fun little battle within itself. If you're Malik, I'm saying, hey, my cousin ain't showing me up. Damn that. You know what I'm saying? I want this 
you know, bragging rights for the rest of our lives. Like, hey, we 50 years old. Hey, Cuzzo, remember when we got y'all the CFP, which led us to the national championship? You know, Kinfolk always talks like that. So, you know, it's there's so many games within the game when it comes to Monday night. But as far as Adonai Mitchell goes, it's going to be tough to see him enter the NFL because you wish you would have had him for, you know, his whole college tenure with the Horns. But at the end of the day, he's going to be a player that Longhorn fans always remember. And it's not just because of his 10 touchdowns. It's also because how he carries himself off the field. And, yeah, man, most City, he's money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he uh, – and he said, you know, I told you, he told his dad, Norman, who's a former stand-up comedian – was on Def Jam Comedy, Night at the Apollo. If you if you go to YouTube and uh, and put Damon Mitchell in, um, you'll you know you'll uh, you'll see him. He'll he'll pop up. Norman Mitchell, excuse me, Norman. Um, he'll pop up, and you you know check out his YouTube comedy. That's probably where. AD gets some of that fearlessness. You got to be fearless to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah. But he told his dad, he told his dad, Norman Mitchell, before the season, this team has what it takes to win the national championship. And, and AD, I asked him about that today, and AD said, the moment's not too big for this team. And, you know, that was kind of his way of not – backing off what he's you know told his dad um it, it's it's crazy to me and you know Quinn Ewer is saying hey man we got to keep this string going he needs a touchdown catch in five straight college football playoff games so it's it's clear these guys really took in A.D. Mitchell he's got a great personality he fit right into the locker room he didn't He's not a disruptor. He's a he's an energizer. I mean, Kyle Flood said it. He 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 has an air of confidence that the whole locker room feeds off of. So this is this is gonna be fascinating. And yeah, whenever AD Mitchell is on number 25, Elijah Jackson, it's go time. It's go time, baby. It's go time. Elijah Jackson. Yeah. Wherever he is, that's where we're going. Yeah, like, it's like a wolf seeing a gazelle in the wild. You just got to eat. That's all there is to it. Like, oh, we're going after him. You can't get cocky now, obviously, if you're Quinn Ewers or just not attacking him just because it has to flow within the offense. And hopefully Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Milley and, you know, Kyle Flood, they see those things throughout the game. But, yeah, man, like, you got to take advantage of mismatches. You got to win your matchups one-on-one. You got to give Quinn Ewers time if you're the offensive line. And, you know, at the end of the day, with so many weapons for the Longhorns, whether that's the run game with C.J. Baxter, Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, or the passing game, if you want to look in, you know, the seams with Jordan Winnington or J.T. Sanders or the outside with Adonai Mitchell or Xavier Wordy, there's just two much to cover 
You know what I'm saying? And it's up to Steve Sarkeesian on calling the right plays and seeing what Washington is going to give you and taking that down after down. You know, sometimes you're going to get the explosive plays. Sometimes you might need a seven-minute, 13-play drive. You know, at the end of the day, it's just about putting sixes on the board. And for a team that's still 90th in the nation in red zone efficiency, you've got to utilize, you know, JT Sanders and Adonai Mitchell, those big guys with a big range when it comes to them catching the ball and hopefully get it to them at the right moments. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be, yeah. I mean, and that, that, We've talked about the fact that uh, that Texas in their red zone offense is, you know, has, has been lacking, and the fact that you know Washington's at seventy percent touchdowns in the red zone, Texas closer to forty five percent, but Texas, that's that's the thing. I mean. I keep coming back to even the games where Texas ended up having to hang on for dear life. They had 20 point leads. I mean, they had a 20 point lead on K state, a 20 point lead on Houston, a well, 21 point lead on Houston, 20 point lead on TCU before those games became close. The only game where they were uphill the whole game was Oklahoma lost that game but they did take the lead with a minute 17 left and then couldn't protect it so it's um you know this texas team has been pretty damn good um in every situation they got the turnover bug got them against oklahoma that can't happen on monday night you 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 can't have you can't have a, a game like this determined by or, or having overcome three turnovers, it it probably will be too much. Yeah, I agree. And you go back to those three games where they had those big leads, U of H, Kansas State, and TCU. A thing that's synonymous with all three of those games is a mobile quarterback that just kind of gives you different looks. You look at Josh Hoover. He, could, he was making throws on the run like crazy in that game. Donovan Smith, you know his ability to run the football also and, you know, use, utilize his arm too. And then Will Howard, he had that ability too. So Dylan Gabriel, he tore the horns up. Michael Penix isn't going to do that. He doesn't have that ability. He's better than all those quarterbacks I named. That's obvious. That's why he was in New York and was runner-up for the Heisman. But he wants to sit in the pocket and make those throws. And Texas has shown against quarterbacks that aren't as mobile, they can really muck stuff up. So I think that plays in the Texas's hands. But, yeah, man, we know Michael Panic, just the timing on his throws, the anticipation, how good those receivers are, how good they are on their releases. Everybody has to be working intact from pressure from, you know, on the line with the cornerbacks to, you know, pressure from the front line, getting the Michael panics and hopefully throwing this timing off just a little bit. So again, you know, it's very rare that he's going to get out the pocket and utilize his legs. If he does, he'll be rolling, you know, to his left side. So he could get to that strong arm and we know that he could throw it off 
all the way across the field, especially to Pope McMillan and the Dunze. So, yeah, SD, I'm right there with you. Full uh, penetration, hit Penix as much as possible. Make make sure it's legal. You know they're going to try to protect him. Like, make sure it's legal. But, yeah, if you can get to him, knock him on his ass. So when he gets up, he's thinking about those hits. Yeah. Yeah. You want to uh, you want to have a legacy? Here's here's the opportunity. It is uh, it's it's going to be fun, man. I I can't believe <clears throat> we still have three days to go. But um, you know, Quinn, I will say this: Quinn Ewers seemed relaxed. He seemed good today. Seemed confident. Um, he wasn't on edge he was he was enjoying himself having fun i just i just get the sense that both of these teams are coming in red hot and hard to handle which you know should make for a great game yeah, I mean, you mentioned that they can't have turnovers like they did in Oklahoma. What's promising is even with the turnovers that we've seen with Quinn Ewers this year, there have been some bad throws. You go back to Texas Tech on that fade route to Adonai, didn't get enough loft on the ball, terrible throw, and then the Big 12 championship where he just just was a – basically just threw it right to the linebacker who almost took it back for a pick six. But – after all that adversity, he comes back pretty strong. Again, Oklahoma game, all those turnovers, yet you're breaking a record for most you know, completions in a row in Texas history. So that Quinn Ewers that we've seen in year two opposed to year one, that's been huge to the Longhorn success and everybody else's confidence. Like it means something when you know that, okay, our quarterbacks had an interception either mentally – He's going to go downhill or mentally he's just going to shake it off and get back on the field and continue to be productive once again. Like the team knows, you know, that's how things can go south easily. When a guy makes an interception, now everybody's hanging their head like, damn, we're screwed. Now Quinn Ewers is showing you that confidence and has proven that he could bounce back. So when he has that turnover, the whole team's not like, damn, like this is a problem. The whole team's like, okay. That's just a mistake. Quinn's human. We know that he has a mental toughness that, you know, we didn't see in 2022. He has that now. We could keep playing and we could keep battling. You know, that's huge for the rest of the team's confidence. You're talking about Quinn Ewers in 2022, 58%, uh, 58% on his completion percentage. This year he's 70. So the guy, like, he has every right to be calm at this point. You know, he talked about before the season, his faith with God and how that's been a big part of just not allowing the pressure of being the Texas quarterback really affect them. Know that there's a bigger picture than being the Texas quarterback, but also apologizing to the fans that in 2022, he should have taken it more seriously. And again, you got to praise everything that Quinn Ewers has done from cutting his hair to losing the weight to his mechanics tightening up. Like he talked about that uh, um, today or yesterday, whenever they talked about it, you know, the guy seems money right now. And if he has a good ball game, then again, the horns could be playing next Monday night for national championship. Yeah. He even joked. Someone asked him, do you ever regret cutting the mullet? And he said, yeah, man, I, I thought about growing it back for the for the playoff. 
he said maybe even throwing some highlights in it and he's like no nah, i'm just kidding <laughs> so, i like that yeah. yeah i mean he's loose he's relaxed uh worthy you know was asked about his his ankle he said i'm good to go and um and so you know i think from a health standpoint both dylan johnson and Xavier Worthy, because Dylan Johnson said yesterday, the running back from Washington said he was in so much pain um, on his on that last third down play where they handed it off. He's just said, I just kept running. He said, I didn't even know how many yards we needed on third down. I just kept running until someone knocked me down. And then once once I had the first down, they took me out and he said, thank God we don't have to play again next week because he said he would not have been able to, to manage it. But um, yeah, he and worthy both sounded like they're, they're good to go. So um, it's, it, it's going to be a battle. I mean, it's going to be an absolute battle. And as far as Quinn, you know, he was asked about the 31 day layoff that, Texas was humming on offense, obviously, in the 57-7 win over Texas Tech and in the 49-21 route of Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. Quinn threw for seven touchdowns um, in those games. And he said, look, we've been, we've been throwing. We've been doing what we need to do. We feel good. So... I know a lot of people were concerned about the the layoff and the the you know having to kind of pick up where you left off 30 days later but he he's like everybody's dialed in right now. I mean, he was asked, "How do you how come you're playing so well in big games?" He's like, "Hey man, you got to have a little extra little extra juice for those games." He said it comes, it just comes cuz you know how how big that game is. You're you're excited. You want to be in that atmosphere, and and that that means a lot. That that feeds to the teammates. I mean, you know that Zay. You know, being in the huddle with a guy who wants the ball all the time, who wants to take that last shot, who is fearless. Put me on the free throw line. Let me have that three pointer for the game winner. That just feeds to your teammates. Yeah, can't be scared, you know, when you're the leader, when you're the head honcho, when you're the quarterback of any team, not just the quarterback of the University of Texas, which that comes with its own difficulties and pressures. But, yeah, you got to have that swagger and confidence that could be infectious for the rest of your ball club. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's the biggest thing I've seen with Quinn Ewers from his freshman year to this year. Like just that step of showing confidence, showing that, oh, okay, I might make a mistake just by being human. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, Troy Aikman, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all those guys threw interceptions. It's how you bounce back and not allow it to affect you on the next drive. That's what shows the good players from the great. So, yeah, Gwen Ewers taking that swagger into this game, that's going to be huge. Um, you know, with Xavier Worthy, I will be watching him all game. 
you know, just trying to see if that ankle's bothering him in any way from his releases to, you know, not necessarily north and south, but, you know, with the ankle, it's more east and west. Like, how is he going to be cutting laterally? Is he going to be able to plant that foot down and make that cut up the field or do those nice juke moves and stiff arms that he likes to do? Will he be capable of doing that consistently due to the ankle injury that he had against Oklahoma State? Has 31 days been enough, you know what I'm saying? And punt return too. Like, Xavier Wordy has been amazing this year returning punts. If it wasn't for Keaton Crawford, he would have even more touchdowns, you know, returning punts. So will that be a factor? We heard, you know, Softy talking about they probably won't even kick it to him. You know, like, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't risk that. And you talk about Dylan Johnson, you know, being hurt in the Pac-12 championship game, he scares me a ton. Like, I want to give him all his flowers now because, again, if he wasn't what he was this season, they wouldn't be in this spot. Like, nobody thinks about Washington's running offense. They think about those big-time wide receivers, which I understand that. And Michael Penix, I get it. But, yo, 28 carries, 150-something yards, like, hurt while hurt? Talk about toughness, man. And, like, it's not just protecting Michael Penix with the 10 sacks that UW has given up all season long, which is why a big reason why they got the Joe Moore Award for best offensive line. It's the fact that they open up holes for Dylan Johnson and they move, you know, like those guys – They'll pull, they'll move, they're athletic. They might not be the strongest guys. I know we've been talking about their center's weight all week. He's on only about a 265, 275, if that. But those guys can move. They're very athletic. They're very mobile. And if they're able to get up the field and get those blocks off, and Dylan Johnson, who does a good job of, you know, taking this time and reading those holes and then accelerating – that's going to be a huge issue because you're already so worried about that passing attack. The running attack can't be a factor. I'll continue to say this till Monday night. The running attack for Washington, we're talking about less than. You gave me over under on 90 yesterday. It has to be under 90. That It has to be because Michael Penix, he's just too effective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just uh... – Man, I'm just I'm fired up about this one. Um, all right, so Zay, did you watch the Alamo Bowl last night? Saw a little o- bit, o- a little Oklahoma, something, something. Oklahoma and Arizona, and you know it's it's awkward, right? Because Dylan Gabriel packs his bags and leaves. Because Oklahoma wants to get to Jackson Arnold. And and Jackson Arnold hasn't, you know, he hasn't played a lot. And he threw three interceptions last night. I mean, he fumbled that thing too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was a turnover machine is what he was. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, it's kind of like the same thing was going on with Kansas state and Kansas state, you know, Will Howard left because, you know, Chris Kleiman 
is ready to move on to to Avery Johnson. It's 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 awkward when you you see a veteran quarterback who's still got eligibility, who won big games for you. Will Howard won a Big Twelve title um, for you, and and then he moves on because it's clear the coaches are ready to to give the the young guy a chance and and it worked out for Kansas State obviously in their um their bowl game um against NC State they beat them 28 to 19 Avery Johnson looked good it did not work out for Oklahoma at all yeah yeah, they were up by double digits at one point in this game. It looks like they were just going to take it to Arizona. Arizona did a good job fighting back. You know, um, Danny Stutzman, say what you want about him. I know Texas fans, he's enemy number one. Uh, I understand that. He has done some very suspect things with the T-shirt. Oh, Oklahoma only fears God. Texas fears Oklahoma, yada, yada, yada. But I have to salute what he did yesterday. There's a video going around of him taking Jackson Arnold by the arm, putting his arm around him and letting him know, Hey, we're behind you. You know what I'm saying? Like we support you. You had a God awful game. It was your first start of your career. And yeah, like we're behind you next year. We're going to the sec. This is what it is. So, yeah, it is an interesting situation. Like, if you're Oklahoma, why would you push out somebody like Dylan Gabriel? You know, like they, Dylan Gabriel kind of saw the writing on the wall, as you mentioned, Will Howard also. Like, it's an odd feeling when you're looking over your shoulder all the time and you feel like you've earned the job. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, like, you beat Texas this year, you get the team winning 10 games opposed to them going six and seven the year prior. And now everybody's just hooping and hollering about the five-star kid out of Denton coming in. Like that could be very disrespectful. And we also know Dylan Gabriel, him being a Hawaiian cat, he's always, you know, just looked at, somebody like Marcus Mariota as an idol and he probably grew up watching Oregon football and was a big fan of Oregon. So when the opportunity came, he jumped on and I can't knock him for that. But yeah, when you have a leader and a guy that has won big games like a Will Howard, like a Dylan Gabriel, and you're so quick to move on because of the younger guy that has less experience, but has a ton of upside, you're waiting on him. Yeah, it's a bit odd, you know what I'm saying? Because you don't see that happening with Texas. Like, I think everybody, Texas fans, coaching staff, if Quinn Ewers said, I'm coming back for sure, everybody's going to be like, cool, that's great. You know, Arch Manning thing, hopefully he could wait. I know Texas fans would be nervous about Arch Manning waiting just because that's where we are with the transfer portal and a lot of teams will probably be you know throwing their fishing pole for arch manning seeing if he catch that mug but this is just what it is you know what i'm saying some guys they feel more welcome to come back and some guys they see the writing on the wall and feel like they're getting kicked out so it just depends on you know where university you're at and where that team is at the moment well um, I think we're going to talk to our man Lance Taylor here in just a second. He's like going to be coming to us live from a casino in Vegas. But uh, before we we get to Lance, man, the best, um, my my favorite 
hang out, cover three. Um, love it. High end food. And you can check out all the sports that you want. This time of year, cover three is the go-to place. I mean, I love their sliders, their ruby trout. Um, the food is unbelievable. The Parmesan fries. I mean, cover three. That's where you want to go. If you're not in New Orleans and you need a place to check out the Sugar Bowl, get to cover three. All right, let's go to Vegas. There he is, Lance Taylor. Lance, I mean, how is it? <laughs> How's it going, my man? <laughs> well, honestly, fellas, I haven't left this property. So we didn't get into like, I want to say like 1.30 Vegas time last night. It was uh, kind of a long, um, drawn out, uh, delayed flights here and there, as you guys uh, can imagine on Southwest. We finally got in. We're staying at Resort World. And we did our show this morning from the Doghouse Saloon. It's a really cool new sports book. I'll kind of guy show you guys the basics. Oh, yeah. Right. Pretty cool. Hey, yeah. there's Ryan Brown, Jim Dunaway. Uh, girlfriend there. Gave you guys a quick shot of that. Um, <laughs> so we haven't left this property. We got it. We did the show here this morning. We're about to fly out to L.A., and uh, we've got a Airbnb there. We're all, we've got our sideline reporter, a girl, Emily Grace. Um, she is going to be joining us, and uh, – we're going to see what happens this weekend, but super excited about it. Watching a little Kentucky Clemson here, looking uh, live action right now. The Texas Longhorns are down to a three-and-a-half-point favorite, um, two-to-one to win the national championship behind both Michigan and Alabama at plus 150 right now. Um, so just getting settled in, man. It's going to be a great weekend of college football. Yeah, we were just talking about the, uh, the fact that you know, Will Howard left Kansas State and Dylan Gabriel left Oklahoma to clear out for these young cat quarterbacks. And it worked out for Avery Johnson and K-State. Definitely did not work out for Jackson Arnold and Oklahoma, Lance. Three interceptions and a fumble. Yeah, and, and fortunately, we were on at Lance'sLike.com. We were on Arizona. I get on the plane, they're down. They end up winning the game going away because of those six turn six total turnovers. Uh, yeah, man, it is uh, – I, I can't keep up with it. You know, Will Howard more than likely will end up – I say this at USC, but we watched Miller Moss the other night with six touchdown tosses. You know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's going to be where, but a lot of these kids are making themselves some money. Um, like Miller Moss, if he doesn't want to come back to USC, I'm sure there's plenty of teams that would line up just on a one-game sample and probably pay the guy a half million dollars to come be their starting quarterback. But uh, I don't know, man. As weird as and unpredictable as these bowls have been, it's it's been fun, and we've got the best uh, yet to come. Yeah, Lance'sLock.com is where you go for all the picks. Um, and Lance, uh, I thought it was interesting. You had uh, Jalen Milrow say that Bill O'Brien told him to change positions what the bleep <laughs> well look I, I think he's held that card for a while i i think uh jalen has played with a chip on him on his shoulder the entire year and you know even on our show the nil deal we've got with him i you know was very transparent and i said look man i i told alabama fans they were going basically from wagyu to just prime filet 
Um, it wasn't a knock on him. And he was like, it's guys like you that motivate me. And I think he's been holding this Bill O'Brien card for the big stage. Now that you get to the college football playoff, kind of rolling Bill O'Brien under the bus. And this is a coordinator that Alabama fans have been critical or had been critical of for a couple of years. So uh, I don't think it was all Bill O'Brien. We talked about this on the show today, though. There is no way Bill O'Brien is going to go to Jalen Milrow without the consent of Nick Saban and say, you know what, we're going to move you to a different position. Um, I think there were people inside of the program in the offseason that didn't care whether or not Jalen entered the transfer portal. I don't think anybody uh, saw him being as good as he's gotten over the last couple of months. But, hey, I'll say this. I think Alabama fans love his confidence, and they love the fact that he's playing with that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Lance, talk about just this Alabama team preparing for Michigan, just all the things you're hearing about. Hey, don't watch film because the whole side-stealing <laughs> scandal and all that stuff. Like, that's just nuts to me. Like, that's how you have to go about it. Like, that's real. It's Nick Saban. Like, you don't play. I guess. I, I think now that we're in the moment, you know, I brought up this analogy, you know, as a Dodgers fan, you know, those Astros, they cheated through game seven. And Michigan at least got found out early on. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't believe somebody's going to hack a tablet. I don't believe a parent is going to give up a password, but whatever. I, I think it, it's more just, uh, um, you know, let's, let's shit on Michigan a little bit in this situation. Um, if they do win this game and ultimately a national championship, I think it is going to be tainted in a lot of people's eyes. Um, but I just – I didn't really understand that. And I was a little surprised that Isaiah Bond came out and uh, publicly talked about that in the press conference. Yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. All right, Lance, as uh, you're sitting there looking in the sports book there in, in Vegas. I got Kentucky plus the points, and they are just uh, – they are trying to keep Clemson in this game. Uh, well, you, you mentioned that Texas is now down to a three-and-a-half-point favorite – um, how you feeling about that Texas Washington game as it gets closer? I, look, man, I mean, I, you know, it, it hasn't been, uh, it's probably, honestly, I try to be transparent in 10 years, the worst season that I have had, um, handicapping games. Uh, but I like Washington. I like Washington a lot. I think they're going to win the game. I just trust Caitlin DeBoer in these situations. Um, I think as good as Quinn Ewers is, uh, Michael Penix is so consistent. And I just think, Texas in the back end of that secondary is going to have some problems, but we'll see, man. I mean, I, I this is the, and I think we might've talked about this first year. I really believe any of these 14, I was just telling Dunaway and Brown here that Washington, you know, plus, you know, five to one plus 500 right now to win the national championship. Like I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on that. Like I literally think any of these four teams can win it. Nothing's going to surprise me, but right now, as we speak, I lean Michigan, I lean Washington. Yeah. You lean Michigan and you lean Washington. Okay. All right. Uh, why Michigan? Uh, you know, I just think the defense is that good. I think J.J. McCarthy is better than advertised. Uh, Milrow hasn't made mistakes in forever. Uh, this is a Michigan defense that can force you into those situations. And it's also a Michigan team just doesn't turn the football over. So I think if Michigan is even plus one in turnovers, Vegas is telling you they believe Michigan overall is the better team. Um, I think Alabama is actually playing better right now, but I've just got this feeling. I mean, they are so due. Now, they, this could flip the other way, though. There's so much pressure on Michigan. The pressure could actually cave them in a little bit. They play a little tight. 
maybe they do make some mistakes, but I've got a feeling that Harbaugh finally wins a playoff game here. What's been the turnaround for Alabama's offensive line? I mean, going back to the Texas game, you think about Proctor, those guys, they had all types of problems on keeping Jalen Milrow just up. And now that offensive line has just been dynamic. Like, what has been the change from that Bama-Texas game to where they are now about to play Michigan for a chance to go to the natty? Okay, I heard the first end of that. Somebody tried to call me. I should put it on privacy mode. People don't call anymore. They always, always text. Um, Caden Proctor, though, you mentioned him, and this is a true freshman. Massive, massive dude. Um, played with no confidence early on. Was O-laying. People were running around him. And I think as his confidence built, I think that unit just came closer together. And they are playing out of their minds right now. And, and a lot of it, and those guys will tell you this, um, because Tyler Booker's a guy that joins us on NIL, too, every week. He said the decision-making and how how Jalen's been able to process things a lot quicker has made it so much easier on those guys as well. So I just think, I, I really believe this is, and to me this is what elite talent should do in elite coaching, and you should get better each and every week. And, and I mean, this is, I mean, Alabama is a prime example of that. I mean, just everything has come together. Uh, the receivers have gotten better. The running back by committee, those guys are, are, are you know, solid B-plus guys. And this offensive line, along with Jalen Milrow, they've grown together. And Tommy Reese is a play caller. We were talking about him earlier today. He is really getting more comfortable, and he is maturing in this role. Yeah. All right, Lance. What uh, Lance's lock? What can you tell the people? Um, okay, so we did a bowl guarantee, and the way this thing worked, we started about ten games into the bowl. We had a set date, and we told everybody it was Thursday of last week, I think. And we had to have a winning bowl season from that point on, or you got your money back. Right now, we currently sit at eight and five. We've got three plays up today. Kentucky's going right now. Let's hope they can get this thing home. Uh, we've got a free play on Iowa State against Memphis Lang. It's down to 10 now, which scares me a little bit. I just got it, at, of course. I bet it 10 and a half, and it drops a half point right after I bet it. Um, <laughs> and then I've got a play on Missouri Ohio State tonight. So jump on board. Um, again, we had a guarantee package. We'll have the NFL for you, NBA, college basketball, free play every single day. Go to lanceslock.com for all of your winners. All right, brother. Well, listen, man, um, we can't wait to hear about the adventure as it continues. <laughs> I just need sleep. I don't know when I'm going to get it. This this specific time kills me. You know, we're sitting here, and I'm drinking my first Bloody Mary, and they're kicking a game at 9 a.m. And we, <laughs> we, we had on a guy that worked for Caesars forever, and he's got a podcast, Bet the Board podcast, uh, Todd Furman, really good guy. And he came and joined us for about an hour, and he's like, do you guys like this breakfast football? And I'm like, I really don't. Like, I wouldn't mind at 9 as long as we went till 2 in the morning here. But the problem is out here, if you've spent time in a Vegas sports book during college football, is like the games are completely over at like 10 o'clock. And I know there's clubs and shows and things to do, but, man, I like my football going deep into Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, has anyone explained to you why the Rose Bowl is being played ahead of the Sugar Bowl when we could be, like, get the central time zone game out of the way and then let's go late into the night on the West Coast? 
Chip, you should know this. The Rose Bowl is so uppity. They're going to do things exactly how they want to. It's a traditional Rose Bowl this year. That's why we're kind of excited about covering it. We were out there in 2009, as you were, for Texas, and we were out there getting 13 for Florida State and Auburn. But this will be our first technical Rose Bowl that we will be going to. So they want to keep that kick time at 2 o'clock Pacific time and I'll be honest, I don't mind it. Um, I hope it doesn't go long. I hope it plays fast where I can get somewhere settled because I think I think the game – I think both are going to be great games. I really do. But I am super excited about Texas and Washington just because I think we are going to see some offense. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, buddy, be safe. Good luck on the travels to California, then back to Vegas. <laughs> we can't wait to hear about it next week. I'll, I will. Uh, I can't wait either. You guys, happy new year. Uh, good luck to your Texas Longhorns. And uh, we'll see what happens. Again, I think it would be incredible if we were to get a rematch where we can uh, hang out again. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. You got it. All right. Thanks, there he is. Lance Taylor. See you guys. The Lance Taylor on Twitter. And Lance'sLock.com for the picks. Looks like he's getting it going in the bowl season. Eight and five. And he's got picks for today's games um, and, of course, all throughout the weekend. Um, so Lance'sLock.com. Um, and before we get to our man John McClain to get the little NFL action going, um, HoopsATX.com, man. I mean, my man Mike Gonzalez, um, HoopsATX, installing professional-grade um in-ground basketball goals, two decades of experience. But, you know, they offer four different adjustable basketball hoops and, you know, one with the fixed height goal that would be perfect for the for the backyard basketball, for the driveway court, the school playground, the HOA. Uh, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the young hooper in your life, reach out to Mike Gonzalez at Hoops ATX. They're the best in the business. Just go to hoopsatx.com. And um, and don't forget about uh, uh, my good friends over at Apple Leasing as well. They'll, they'll get you into the car you want to be driving. Um, make sure that uh, you give them a call, 346-9977. They'll lease any maker model of car. They don't care what car you pick. They're going to get it for you. and you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car uh, when you're leasing from Apple Leasing. You're only paying for the new part, the part under warranty. You're not paying for anything but gas for that car. Um, Apple Leasing, AppleLeasing.com. And um, Zay, speaking of NFL, let's go to our man, John McClain. You can read him at... SportsRadio610.com, all of his articles. He's got an article up right now about C.J. Stroud, who uh, I guess we we have a conversation on our hands, John, about the uh, offensive rookie of the year, Jameer Gibbs of the Lions, C.J. Stroud. Today he's shaking his head like I'm a crazy man. You are a crazy man. Stroud had that wrapped up. They took him off the board in Vegas, and then they put him back when he missed the two games. Pukunakua would be number two. I've had an interesting stat here about the Cowboys that's uh, pretty depressing if you're a Cowboy. About the Cowboys. 
Yeah, and I know a lot of you they play that big game on Saturday night um, that against Detroit. Detroit six and two on the road. They're the best road team in the NFL. But this is about Dak Prescott. 18 and 24 facing teams with winning records. Um and not counting this season when they've won what one game against a team with a winning record. They were uh, up to this season nine and twenty-four against teams that finished with ten or more wins in regular season, and fifty-four and sixteen against teams that had fewer than ten victories. So that doesn't bode well, even though I'm picking the Cowboys because they're playing at home and they've been invincible at home, averaging almost forty points. And even though the Lions are 6-2 and two on the road and they're balanced, I just think the Cowboys are a better team. Lions are going to win the division, of course. But I'm looking for Dallas to win that game. It's like I'm looking for the Texans to beat the Titans for the second time in three weeks with C.J. Stroud back at quarterback. What would you say Dak's record is against teams with a winning record? Yeah, let me look it back up here. Uh, this is going into this season where they've won one against teams with winning records since he came in the leagues 18 and 24. And um, they are 9 and 24 against teams with 10 or more wins. And then 54 and 16 against teams with fewer than 10 wins. That's up to this season. And that seems to me to, to it's about what they're doing this year as well. They just struggle against good teams and don't know why, because they're a good team. They got great talent, been fantastic at home, been awful on the road, just lost to Miami. Really, they lost to Miami. Miami didn't beat them. That sounds terrible. Dolphin fans won't like it, but if you watch the game, you know it's true. How many times you see a quarterback, his whole body's in the end zone, but the ball's not. And then they fumble. It just seems typical of the Cowboys when they play a good team on the road. They may play close, but they do just enough to lose, and that doesn't bode well for them in the playoffs. Yeah. John, talk about the Cleveland Browns right now. Joe Flacco, it seems like he's found just the fountain of youth with the way he's been playing. Looks like that quarter uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback that we saw with the Ravens. You saw what they did to the Texans this past weekend and then what they did last night to the Jets. Just an unbelievable story going on. And, uh, it is. He'll say he'll be 39 next month, and he's got a great sense of humor about it. I think the time off did him good. I think all that time of, of he said he was throwing the ball to his brother, his father, his kids are because he's going to be about to be 40. His kids are older. He said one time he came home from a 30 to 16 loss when he played for the Jets. And the kids said, Dad, 14, Dad, 30 to 14. Wow, can't you do any better? So he goes over and Googles a bunch of games he won and play great when he's with the Ravens to just show his kids, yeah, I did it at one time. And what's interesting is his agent called the Jets, and they said, no, they're good with Zach Wilson, and I don't even know who their backup was then, Tim Boyle or somebody. It wasn't Trevor Simeon. And uh, that turned out to be good for him because he would have come back. He wanted to play. That's why he was staying in shape. He said he lifted weights. He stayed, he stayed in the gym, which is probably at his house in Jersey. And he made sure that if anybody called, he'd be ready to go. But he'd almost given up. But he said, looking back, it's better that he didn't sign with a team in the offseason because that team might not have been any good. And as it was, 
he ended up signing with a team that really needed him. And he won, he's won more games than he won the last four years with the Jets. And his, he's, he's tied. Let's see, he has four games. He's played four. First game was less than, what is he, four and one? He has four in a row of 300 yards. And what made it unbelievable against the Jets, he didn't have Amari Cooper, who had 265 yards against the Texans. If the Texans had covered Cooper, it would have been a close game. <laughs> but they couldn't. And Flacco is so on target. You know, he's 6'6". He showed some mobility last night. Like, if he has to move, he can. And Cleveland loves him. You know, they're wacko for Flacco. And everybody tells me he could lead them to the Super Bowl, and they're not bringing him back. They can't. Because if you had the super popular Flacco in the locker room and Deshaun Watson throws two interceptions, everybody's going to want Flacco. It's going to be a huge controversy. And they're paying Watson too much money, too much money, too much guaranteed money to keep Joe Flacco around. So Flacco is going to be one of those experienced veteran quarterbacks who has a lot of starts in his career. Who's going to get more money than backups have gotten because this season teams are finding out just how valuable a good backup can be compared to if you leave the cupboard almost bare. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing story. Um, I mean, Freaking Joe Flacco, who who saw that coming? I mean, nobody. You you got quarterback after quarterback. I would have thought of ahead of Joe Flacco, John. But he hadn't done anything. He'd won three games in like four years when he was, and when he played for the Jets, nobody thought anything about it. He's washed up and over a hill. That's why I said, Chip. I think all his time off since last season when he didn't get. He didn't get hit a lot. Just all this time off has been good for him, whether it's physically or mentally. Somebody I saw tweet said he's like Nolan Ryan. When he's 70 years old, he'll be able to throw the ball. Well, he's always been able to throw it hard, but not always accurately. If you go back and look at his stats, since he was great in 2012, won a Super Bowl. He was the Super Bowl MVP, and then he got an enormous contract. Talk about great timing. But then he hadn't done squat. But it's an amazing success story. He's a great guy. He's in a blue-collar city, starved to win, starved for a quarterback. Instead of Watson, they don't like Watson, although the last time Watson was on the field with a sore shoulder, he was 14-14 in the second half at Baltimore, and they beat the Ravens. So that's what people will think about with Watson when he's healthy. Boy, remember what he did against the Ravens instead of all the bad play that he had before that. Yeah. John, what's the vibe on the Texans playoff aspirations at this point? If they win the next two games, they should be in with the Colts running at that seven spot right now, which that's the team they have to play at the end of the season. Jacksonville, which has lost four in a row, still has a tiebreaker to win the division. If they have the same record, Texans split with Jaguars. Jaguars have a better division record, but the Texans have two, division games left the titans can be the spoilers the titans play in houston and then they go to jacksonville jacksonville and indianapolis have losing records at home the colts have the carolina and then they have the raiders and the raiders might be playing for antonio pierce's job and uh, they've won two in a row including that 
debacle at Kansas City where they threw for like 60 yards and scored two defensive touchdowns, but they love Antonio Pierce, and they're hoping that the owner, Mark Davis, will bring him back. So they're playing for him, and uh, so they, the Texans really need them to win. If the Texans beat the Titans to go 9-7, and seven, it guarantees them of a winning record. They haven't had one since 2019, last time they went to the playoffs. That would be an enormous accomplishment. And, yes, everybody would be very disappointed if they lost to Indianapolis, missed the playoffs, but they'd still be 9-8 and eight in a season in which people picked them to win four or five, or if you're like me, a very uh, I picked them to win six, and I thought they'll be really lucky to get there. But if they win the last two, they're in, and Stroud's healthy, he's back. You never know how a guy's going to play off a concussion until you see him uh, take a few snaps and throw a few passes. Yeah, I mean, talk about the mindset of the team, John, going into this game and and how you see it playing out. They dominated the Titans two weeks ago with Case Keenum at quarterback. They were missing defensive end Will Anderson Jr., their best linebacker, Blake Cashman, and they lost their best safety, Jimmy Ward, for the season in the first quarter. Now, Ward's done. Uh, it looks like Anderson is, is going to play. Hopefully, Cashman will play, but their defensive line, none of the four starters practiced yesterday. Two of them returned today, and that defensive line just dominated the Titans. Titans got a lot of pride. Derrick Henry's got a lot of pride. He was limited to nine yards on 16 carries, 20 touches for 17, for 10 yards. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to gain more than nine yards, but uh, his career with the Titans could be winding down. He's auditioning either for them or another team, he's not going to get a lot of money because 30-year-old running backs with a lot of mileage are not going to get a lot of money. And uh, I know the Texans would love to see him out of the AFC South. So it's going to be Will Levis, it looks like, versus C.J. Stroud, first of many matchups between these two rookie quarterbacks. John, you know as well as anybody, it's so hard to repeat as Super Bowl champs in the National Football League. You know, the Patriots did it during the early 2000s. We know the Broncos, Cowboys, etc. But this Kansas City team, they're really struggling. Like, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes just this disheveled and just his attitude doesn't seem like it's where it needs to be. And again, he's never really dealt with this type of losing season. What's going on in Kansas City, in your opinion? Zay, they're so out to sink on offense. I think the drop passes and the mental errors by his receivers has gotten to him. Travis Kelsey dropping dropping passes. I heard Chip, Skip Bayless say this week, and he's serious, that uh, it was the fault of Taylor Swift. They were too distracted. Too many questions about Taylor Swift. Well, when they wanted people thank her, pat her on the back and say, hey, happy, thank you for helping us win this game. Of course not. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But they are out of sync, discombobulated. He's not making the plays down the field that he's made in the past. I think he doesn't have confidence in his receiver. You know, he's got confidence in Kelsey, but Kelsey's not dominating the way he did because none of those wideouts are very good, and he can't count on Kelsey's getting a lot of attention. They're still good defensively. Pacheco's been in and out hurt. It's just kind of weird. They seem to be struggling with their new uh, reputation as a defensive team. And a lot of people think, okay, they may flip a switch in the playoffs. If they were to play Cleveland at home, who are we going to pick? Probably the red-hot Browns. If they play Buffalo again in the playoffs, 
who are we going to pick? Probably the Red Hot Bills, even at Arrowhead Stadium. So uh, it's been a great run. They may have another one starting next year, but right now I wouldn't put the Chiefs in my top five teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Well, the Raiders' defense was outstanding. Max Crosby, I mean, he gets my vote for Defensive Player of the Year. Antonio Pierce, I mean, they're playing for Antonio Pierce. The Raiders aren't going to screw this up again, are they? Well, the problem is they don't have a quarterback. How many teams throw for 62 yards and win a game? Ain't no Connell. They're a team that if they don't have the chance to draft a young guy, I could see them going getting Russell Wilson on a one-year deal for the minimum salary because Denver's going to be paying him and having him come in there and quarterback for a year and mentor O'Connell and while they get a better look at him. But uh, I, boy, I don't see them going in Indy and winning with a passing game that's as bad as it is. But uh, I don't know if Pierce will get that job or not. I'm sure Mark Davis is going to talk to guys like, see what happens with Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. He'll swing for a home run. Uh, The last time Rich Passaccia took over for John Gruden, they snuck into the playoffs, got beat. He let him go, started over with Josh McDaniels. That was a disaster. So maybe he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And he gives that job to Antonio Pierce and makes sure he brings in some experienced coaches who are head coaches to help him on both sides of the ball. Yeah. God, I would stick with Antonio Pierce with that, with that defense and Max Crosby. I want to keep that side of the ball. humming. I can go find an offensive mind to, to lead the, the team. And of course, Josh McDaniels just threw Derek Carr away, who was Devontae Adams, you know, college teammate, I, Josh McDaniels is a poison pill. That's the truth. He's toxic. He'll probably be back with Bill Belichick wherever he is, and they can go back to work again, see if they can find a new quarterback. Did you guys – I know you saw this. I thought it was hilarious because I know Bill O'Brien real well, and I follow Jalen Milrow because he's from Katy. And uh, for that thing that he said yesterday um, – about O'Brien told him that he couldn't play quarterback. And I'm guessing O'Brien at some point will say, well, he's confused. I told him he could be, he could play a bunch of positions. He's not going to come out and admit, yes, I told him he couldn't play quarterback. But Milrow, when he played against the Longhorns, I'm thinking that guy's not not a very good quarterback. He might have think about being a receiver if he wants to play in the NFL because he's such a good runner. And then he's become a really good quarterback over the season. Coached really well by, is it Tommy Reese, who used to play at Tommy Oklahoma? Reese. And, and he's done a really good coaching job while O'Brien's got egg all over his face. And I can't wait to see that game. I'm assuming you guys are like me and you're picking the Longhorns or y'all. I'm hoping that it'll be Longhorns and Saban because I don't want Arbaugh in a championship game with a chance to win the championship. Who goes, Who are you guys picking between Michigan and Alabama? I'm going with Alabama. I mean, Jalen Milrow, people don't understand this. He's He's got a better completion rate of passes 20-plus yards than Michael Penix. And Milrow's got 16 touchdown passes and one interception on on passes 20-plus. I mean, he's become the best deep ball thrower in college football this season. 
it's amazing what I mean that guy's a competitor's competitor and I just I wouldn't bet against him right now there wouldn't be they wouldn't be in this game if he hadn't completed a 31 yard pass it may have been the biggest play of college football season Zay who are you picking uh, I got Bama too. I just like how they're rolling right now. As you mentioned, John, Tommy Reese, he's figured it out with Jalen Milrow and their defense has gotten better game after game. You know, think about Dallas Turner, guys like him and Arnold on one side for the cornerbacks and Kool-Aid McKentry. Both of those guys will be playing on Sundays probably next year, probably be first round picks. So, yeah, I think that McCarthy, he hasn't seen a defense that's quite as athletic as in Alabama. And, yeah. I think they're going to get hardballing those guys in the Rose Bowl. I hope we're all right. Longhorns and Bama with a rematch at NRG Stadium. Can't wait. Yeah. I was there for that big Aggie Cowboy game, the Texas, Texas Bowl, Texas, Texas Bowl, because I had some duties in the Gridiron Legends of Texas. And one guy I met, he and his dad, the high school player of the year. Uh, DJ Lagway from Willis, his dad, Derek, played running back at Baylor and was a thousand yard rusher. And in the past, I might have been reluctant to do this, but I said, hey, if it doesn't work out in Florida, you can always come to your dad's alma mater. They could use you. And they are finally getting with the NIL program. Probably not like Florida. I don't know if it's true, but rumors are out there that he's getting like three million. I don't know if that's true, but um I'm open. So many Florida recruits have bailed. So many commitments have bailed on him, and I hope he'll be the next one. Well, what uh, what do you make of what's going on at A and M, John? They had 31 players in that play didn't play, and the poor quarterback uh, had a broken arm the first game. We got to see a lot of backups. Got to see a lot of 12th men out there, and at <laughs> least they were competitive against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State Bowman threw for like. 400-something yards, had two receivers with 150. It was a lot of scoring. And I was down the sideline before the game because our newest class, which included people like Bruce Matthews and Mark Berman and Trevor Cobb, and they were out there, and we, us who were already in the Gridiron Legends stood behind them. And the Aggie band, uh, when the Aggies play, the best thing about them playing the Texas Bowl we get right off the field being introduced when Aggie band plays. And even though I make a lot of jokes about the Aggie band, being right there on the field, right by the sideline while they're playing is pretty incredible. Yeah, and they're zigzagging across each other. I mean, it's uh... – I was afraid somebody's going to run over me. Yeah. <laughs> well, what uh, – when you look into your crystal ball, so – Cowboys, Lions. You like the Cowboys? I like the Cowboys at home just because they're been, they've been so good at home. I think it'll be pretty high scoring. Uh, Jared Goff, I saw today 10 interceptions against zone coverage. Well, then I'm guessing he's going to get zone coverage. And uh, so I think it'll be close. I think it'll be pretty high scoring, a lot of passing by the quarterbacks. And I think it's going to be exciting in the TV ratings as they were on Christmas, just astronomical. The NFL has just stolen Christmas Day from the NBA as everybody knew they would. Remember a few years ago when Mark Cuban said publicly the NBA was going to surpass the NFL and uh, that 
they ran all the ratings of all the games. And of course, it wasn't even close. Cowboys primetime, Lions, a great success story. That the ratings are going to be humongous. I still got to tell you what a great story it would be if the Lions and the Browns were in the Super Bowl. Two long suffering <laughs> fan bases. 1950 since the Lions have won a championship, 1964 when the Browns won their last one with Jim Brown and Blanton Colliers, the coach. Super Bowl era hadn't even begun. I don't, I can imagine what they'd be scalping the tickets for in Vegas. Going to be kind of like in Houston if the Longhorns get here. But I, as a fan of the game and as a fan of Dan Campbell and of all the Browns and all my long suffering friends in the media who've covered the Browns for decades, I would love to see Cleveland and Detroit in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, John, talk about Dan Campbell a little bit, because when he first got there, especially, you know, being where we are in Austin and looking at him as just an Aggie, that he has a little meathead to him, but he's grown on me from watching them at Hard Knocks with the push-ups and stuff. Like, they play hard for him. And, yes, I think at times, you know, his decision-making, going for it on fourth down, who might do that a little bit too much. But at the end of the day, for him to take the Detroit Lions, which they're the Detroit Lions, you know, at the end of the day, but now they're in the playoffs, going to win the North, like, or won the North, excuse me. That's just a huge transformation. Absolutely. And it started last year. They were terrible at the beginning. Then they turned it around. They were favored to win the division. That's why I don't think he should win coach of the year. They were supposed to be good. And uh, <clears throat> the Browns having to start four quarterbacks. Kevin Stefanski is going to win coach of the year for the second time in three years for four years, and the Lions are fortunate. They're, think about all what all these good teams have in common. Quarterbacks who've been healthy. And uh, we're going to see that game Saturday night with two quarterbacks who've stayed healthy. And if Jared Goff can avoid interceptions, that Ben Johnson, the coach, uh, offensive coordinator there, has done a tremendous job. He's out of there after this year. He was one of the coaches the Texans interviewed last year. They liked him a lot. But he said, I need more seasoning, just like D'Amico Ryan's previous year. had an interview. Kevin O'Connell had an interview. Both said, I need another seasoning as a coordinator. And and so they went back. But it's time for Ben Johnson, so the Lions better enjoy him while they have him. Have no idea who's going to take his place, but he's been tremendous. And Meathead, that's, that's a great label for Campbell because when he in his initial news conference, everybody made fun of him because he said they're going to bite people on the kneecaps. And there was a lot of things he said at that news conference, but that's the one that got out. But you're right, watching it on the Hard Knocks, and I will always watch every episode of Hard Knocks in, in season and out, he, he grew on people. People saw a different guy, saw a guy you pull for, saw a guy who's emotional. And uh, after they lost that game, Two, was it two weeks ago, Chip, that he said, "We, I need to get, it's my fault, I need to get a little more intense. So he picked up the intensity in practice and they won. I think it's a great story. I like it. Even though he's an Aggie, he's a Texan, that's close enough. I'm, I'm pulling for him. Yeah, I mean, Stefanski's already got a coach of the year. I mean, you know, can't we spread the wealth around a little bit? They, spread it. they need to spread it to Houston. Detroit was picked to be a whole lot better than Houston. Yeah. Yeah. D'Amico Ryans. I mean, take us behind the scenes with D'Amico Ryans, John. He's clearly got a connection with these players because 
you don't you don't have a season like this unless the players are just dialed in, kind of like the Lions dialed in with Dan Campbell. But the Texans, I mean, no one saw this coming. Nobody. They were picked to be the second worst team in the league to, to Arizona. And the trade they made with Arizona to trade into the third spot to get defensive end Will Anderson Jr. Everybody blasted them, said you've handed Arizona the first two picks in the draft, Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. And the Texans have a chance to win 10 games. Uh, even if they win eight, go eight, nine, and lose the last two, it'll still be a tremendous season because they've had so many injuries. And he never says a word about them. When we ask him, he just blows them off. They brought in a lot of players off the street who've contributed immediately because they they do a good job of coaching, scheming, motivating, building confidence. Kareem Jackson, who played there for nine years, number one pick in 2010, got cut by the Broncos. And he came back and he hated Bill O'Brien because O'Brien didn't even offer him a contract when his expired. He went to Denver. He helped the Broncos beat the Texans here play great and he blasted them and so now he's in here where he said he can just tell how different everything is with ryan's because players have confidence in him as coordinators and when it's one thing to say it but when you see it manifest itself on the field and you see the confidence growing when you've played nine of your last 11 decided by seven or decided by seven points or fewer and you're six and three in those games and you're two and two in games with no time left you know, they're, they're battle-tested. Whether that helps them in these last two games or possible playoff berth, but I can tell you this, people are going to be pumped next season with Ryans and Stroud. And I've never understood this. When you undergo a uniform change, why fans get so fired up. And on draft day, they're going to unveil new uniforms. They're not going to change their colors. They're just going to change their uniforms. So people will be extra fired up because the uniforms – because of Stroud, because of D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Seahawks blew it when they went to those uniforms. They need to go back to those original uniforms. Sometimes it's good, sometimes. Well, you know why good. the only reason they do it is because the fans will all run out and spend new uniforms. On their, their caps and jerseys and T-shirts and sweatshirts. It's all about the money. And as you guys know well, the poor old NFL owners never have enough money. Mm, ain't that poor old true. NFL owners. Yeah. John, you told us before the season your pick to win the Super Bowl was the Baltimore Ravens, and you're looking smarter and smarter every week. Uh, this Baltimore Ravens team, I mean, you talk about hardball. He's been there for so long. Lamar Jackson, with just his play, I mean, his IQ level seems like it's skyrocketed. Like, he doesn't take clean hits. It seems like every time that he's moving around, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, his eyes are steady looking up the field to make throws. Talk about the Ravens and their success thus far. Barring a total collapse, and they do play Miami in this uh, game coming up in Baltimore, and they should beat the Dolphins, who have one victory over a team with a winning record. That would be the Cowboys, who gave it to them. Uh, Lamar Jackson should be the MVP. They should get home field advantage in the AFC. If they do end up playing the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and there's so many chances for upsets. You never know, but I still think they're the two best teams. And if they do play, 49ers got a lot of pride. 
I don't think they're going to let them beat them up like they did. Not saying they win, but they've got, they're built for the playoffs. They've got a great running quarterback. They've got multiple backs that can run a good offensive line. They have a great defense and they can play outdoors. They can play indoors. They can play cold weather, mediocre weather. If the weather's bad with wind and rain or snow, they can just run the ball. Thing is, Lamar Jackson, nobody knows where he's going. It's hard to prepare for a guy like that when you don't know where he's going because he doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> and uh, so right now they're the best team in the NFL, and I can't wait to see how they do against the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa. Well, John, we always appreciate it, my friend. Uh, love our, our NFL chats with you. Um, have uh, Have a great new year. I do a weekly video with Mattress Mac that we put out on social media about what's going on in Houston. Of course, he's bet on the Longhorns. He's got two suites here, big ones, that he got before the season. So he's wearing his Longhorn shirt now. And at the end of our videos, you know, over the last month, he always gives them this. And I start to, and I just can't do it. <laughs> so I give them this. See yeah. you guys. Have fun at the game. It's going to be exciting. This time next week, I'll be welcoming you guys to Houston. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. John McClain breaking it down. I love it. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, let's uh, let's work our way over to the uh, to the chip shot and the right call. Uh, before we do that, though, um, wanna. Just give a little bit of love to, how about uh, a little bit of love to the uh, the Hayes City store. You love the Hayes City store, Zay. Love it, man. What's so your uh, what's your go to? Uh, the bacon jam burger is always a hit. The enchiladas, crazy. Yeah, those are usually my two go tos. Yeah, 40 beers on tap, giant TVs. Um, and check out their new spot in Buda uh, Taste on Maine. So you got the Hay City store and now Taste on Maine. Um, Taste on Maine's got fantastic steaks and seafood, you know, great cocktail menu, um, happy hour seven days a week. So um, love our friends over at Hayes City Store and Taste on Main. All right, Zay. I, um, you know, I am a uh, a studier. Um, as as uh, I'm a body language ologist. I am a studier of human nature, and. I've now seen the, you know, Texas offensive and defensive players come through. Next time we all get together, we'll be, well, we've actually got, um, you tell me what we've got our round table show on uh, Monday yeah. for sure. So, yeah. Sundays we'll be at Manning's. Okay. Sunday we'll be at five. Manning's. Monday we'll be at Manning's. Yeah, Monday will be near Manning's. We'll be at the Texas One Fun Party. Okay, which is at Manning's. But oh, if okay. you just go to Manning's, you'll 
you'll find us if you're in New Orleans. Otherwise, just tune in like you always do on the Texas Sports Unfiltered app or on the YouTube channel. But I I feel I feel like this is going to live up to the hype. I feel like this is going to be a great game, a back and forth game. There's going to be um, undoubtedly, you know, big plays both ways, I think, in this game. But I think Texas is up for this. And I like the um, I like the confidence. Uh, now you've got to have the coaches locked in, making sure that they have thought of everything from a game plan standpoint um, and and that they're putting these guys in the best position possible with a month to prepare. I like Steve Sarkeesian against any defense. Um, and defensively, it sounds to me after listening to the players that they're going to try to get after the quarterback with their with their four-man rush and play tight coverage, which I think is the only way to go. I mean, we talked to Softy Mahler, who is the sideline reporter for Washington, and he said no one has really pressed Washington's receivers, and that's crazy to me. That's weak. You, you want to know why Washington is scoring so many points? Um, beating USC 52 to 42 is because no one's challenging these receivers. They're human. Now, Roma Dunze is maybe part Terminator, but uh, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, they're human. And you got to challenge these guys. I feel like uh, that's the plan, at least from what Jaron Thompson's saying. And I think it's, I've been a broken record on this all year that it's the nature of, of, you know, Malik Muhammad and Gavin Holmes, Terrence Brooks, Ryan Watts. They want to get up on receivers, get their hands on them, reroute them. And this is what they're made for. And that's what this game is about. Don't, you know, again, if you're going to die, die on your shield, not on your knees and go out with everything you've got. And so um, I just, I just think Texas is ready for this game. Um, obviously we still have three days to go and um, tomorrow's going to be fun because tomorrow is media day. That's when the whole team is scattered around the Superdome. And everybody's going to be racing over to Arch Manning for uh, the first chance to talk to Arch. And I got to get some kind of photo and send it to y'all of hopefully there's like a two shot. Cause I, I just have this feeling there's going to be like five reporters around Quinn yours and 20 around Arch Manning who may or may not see a snap on Monday night. If, Texas fans have their druthers. Uh, Manning won't. Yeah, and what sucks? Is, yeah, and what sucks about that is just your UTSD on the 2009 championship game where Colt McCoy went out. So you know it could happen. I mean, it's happened before at the biggest moment. Like this ain't even the national championship. It's pretty damn close, but just UTSD makes you think that just God forbid Arch Manning might get some clock depending on what happens. So if I'm Arch, knowing that the media is going to be in a frenzy tomorrow, one word answers. 
you got to be like that passive aggressive girlfriend that you know you messed up, but she ain't trying to give you no hints on why you messed up. One word answers. You know, how do you why is that? Because you don't want to just like you're not anywhere of the focal point of this team. Yeah. You're the backup. You know, you just have that Manning last name. Like Xavier Wordy was asked, is Arch Manning more popular than your QB1? Like those are the types of questions that these guys are getting right now. You know, you don't want to – Quinn Ewers, he needs all the love right now. He needs all the confidence right now. If you're Arch Manning, you're like, yo, I'm supporting Quinn. I'm doing what I need to do for this team. I'm going to be on the sideline, locked in. I'm prepared. That's it. That's it. Like, what is it like coming back home? Good. I get to see family. Like, just very simple questions. You know what I'm saying? Why did you stay at Texas? Because I believe in Sark. Like, very, you know what I'm saying? Because he's going to be asked all those things. Like, do you think you're going to play? I mean, I'm going to be ready to play. That's all I know. Like, there's no need to go out and people shouldn't be writing a bunch. Like, you just haven't been able to talk to Arch Manning much for – obvious reasons he's the backup so the most popular backup in the nation needs to be as low-key as possible hopefully he is i i know he's gonna be he does a great job with the media we know he has a good personality but he was trained for these moments he's not trying to take anything away from quinn anything away from this team like whatever it looks like tomorrow arch manning he's definitely more than you know uh, capable of being true to himself and answering every right question. So I'm not worried about him one bit. Yeah, that will be a scene. Um, and, and so, yeah, that'll be, that'll be, uh, that'll be a scene because I'm not even going to, I'm thinking about saying something, but it, it, it you don't want, you don't there will be a time for Arch Manning. Yeah. It is not coming home to New Orleans on this trip. It is it is not. Now, if he gets called into action, um, and and Kyle Flood was asked about that today. Kyle Flood said we have all the confidence in the world in Arch Manning. Um, I think Arch Manning would run for his life and probably end up moving the chains and doing whatever it took. If he got in um, to the game, if he had to, if he was pressed in for whatever reason. Um, but there will be a time for Arch Manning. You hope it is at a later time. Yeah. I If Arch Manning gets in the game, the Horns lose him by double digits. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I'm sorry. This ain't the time to be a homer. If with what I saw with Malik Murphy and that roller coaster, if you ain't better than him, I one month shouldn't be able to put Arch Manning to where his uncles are. Like one month can't do that. So if you're not better than what Malik Murphy threw out there against BYU and Kansas State, then nah, you ain't ready for this moment against the quality team of Washington. Like, that's no. You're supposed to say that if you're Kyle Flood. Everybody's supposed to have confidence in them. But, yeah, I think that Arch would be running for his life for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he'd be running for his life. Like, panicky in the pocket, just not allowing things to develop, you know. This ain't, nah, this ain't Arch's time. And God forbid 
anything happen to Quinn, that's why Quinn has to be smart, which I'm still preaching for Quintavious Ewers to make a show in, Chip. Again, that AC joint, you've had another month to heal it again. We saw against Baylor and Kansas where Texas offense during that part of the season was, you know, going upward. And a lot of that was due to Quinn Ewers utilizing his legs. So ever since he fumbled against Oklahoma and ever since he got dinged up against Houston, he hasn't been that guy. Just adding that part of your game to the offense, just again, if you're Washington and Quinn Ewers, it's third and eight and Quinn Ewers gets that nine yards. Like that's so deflating for your defense, man. Like Quinn Ewers, anything possible to move the chains you gotta do but you gotta do it smart you gotta slide you gotta get out of bounds that lowering your shoulder shit that you were doing against u of h no you cannot do that for your team like you are more valuable to your team than anything on your offense you cannot you know you cannot put that put yourself in that type of situation to potentially get hurt absolutely not yeah all right zay we got uh, picks to make, so let's get to the right call. Yes, sir, man. Uh, shout out to all our sponsors this week for us preparing for the Sugar Bowl against Washington. Domino's, Pizza, Sue Patrick, Hat Creek, More Clean, Leaf Landscape and Supply, Lake Cliff Golf Club, Hummel Realty, Hay City Store and Ice House, Pest Wranglers, Texas Orthopedics, Hoops ATX, Cover 3, Good Stock, AV Consultations, Allstat Brewery, and Covert B Cave, who is going to give us a terrific car tomorrow for our trip down to New Orleans. The boys will be out there via car tomorrow. I cannot wait. And it's all thanks to Covert beat cave. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, Chip. So uh, 15 former NFL players are finalists for the NFL Hall of Fame class of 2024. I'm going to name them to you. You're going to say yay or nay on guys that you think are deserving to get in. All right. I cool with that. All right. Antonio Gates. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there too. Love Antonio Gates. Great years with San Diego. Julius Peppers. Nah. No? Okay. Come back to that. Devin Hester. Yes. Yeah, man. You got to get some love for like Eric Metcalf needs to be in there too. The return dudes, man. Yeah, return dudes, Devin Hester, he was a transsetter. You know, even going back to Miami, he was big time. But obviously his days with the Bears, yeah, man, he was for real. Torrey Holt. I mean, I have such mixed feelings about the receivers and the fact that Lynn Swan's in with crap numbers. But he got um, the Lynn Swan got the rings, though. Yeah, he got the rings, got and the he rings. made that – incredible catch in 76 where he you know it bounced and he stuck with it and he caught it against the cowboys of all teams yeah great throw um, Bradshaw. Uh, yeah yeah but um if i'm having to think about it this long it's probably no okay okay super bowl champ greatest show on turf just throwing that out there but all right i 
Reggie Wayne. If I say no to Tory Holt, I got to say no to Reggie Wayne. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, ooh, Andre Johnson. Now, Andre Johnson is different because he suffers from what I call the Tommy Nobis syndrome, where he went to an expansion team that wasn't established, but that dude put up numbers every week. Andre Johnson, I say yes. Yeah, I'm right there too. You know, Andre Johnson, if you look at Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne, like Reggie Wayne, you played with freaking Peyton Manning, bro. Are you kidding me? On the other side of you was Marvin Harrison. Are you freaking serious? Hey, Tory Holt, on the other side of you was Isaac Bruce. You had Marshall Falk in the backfield. You had Kurt Warner, even though he was bagging groceries at one point of his career. Like there was a Hall of Famers around you for those two wide receivers. Andre Johnson, the best player he probably ever played with was what, Arian Foster? You know what I'm saying? Like, an Arian Foster, yeah. he was a dude, but I don't think he's going to Canton anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I, I got, I'm with the, I'm with you, Chip. Like, Andre Johnson, he had a lot more adversity through his career, and he still put up those numbers just like those guys. I throw him in, too. All right, how about edge rusher Jared Allen? Uh, Broke records. Yeah, I mean, that dude was a consistent nightmare. Um, I don't have his numbers next to, like, Bruce Smith's, mm -hmm. but I bet they're pretty comparable, so I'll say yes. Okay. Ooh, Fred Taylor. Super underrated. Yeah, I mean, see, now you want – now you got me, like, checking <laughs> – where dudes are i loved fred taylor um i just don't know like if we let fred taylor in are we letting frank gore in oh frank gore should be in yeah yeah he when should be in when you're third in rushing yards yeah you gotta be in you have to be in i know it's weird like you Frank you know Frank Gore doesn't have the name like Emmett or Barry Sanders obviously but yeah I think Frank whenever he's eligible he needs to get in Fred, I mean, Taylor, Fred Taylor he's right on the edge man I, I'm inclined to say no okay yeah no rings those Jags teams they were competitive but nah they didn't really move the needle all right um Dwight Freeney Dwight Freeney. You know what? I'm going to um, – man, this is like the year of the pass rusher all of a sudden. Right. Um, Freeney was an animal. Um, he played on a Super Bowl winning team. Um, was he the best player at his position in the decade that he starred in? I'm going to say – I'm going to say no. Okay. Here we go. This guy has to be in. Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson is in. Put him in, damn it. Put him in. What are we doing? He what, played. What are we doing? He he did it all, man. He he played deep. He played close to the line. He covered slots. He Darren Woodson, all-time leading tackler in Cowboys history. Come on. Yeah. He played anywhere secondary. 
anywhere. Safety, corner, slot, star position, it don't matter. He'll play it. He'll do well at it. Yeah, put him in. Long overdue. Uh, Rodney Harrison, one of my favorite secondary players of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's smugalicious, but he was smugalicious. He was. I mean, he's no lawyer Malloy. He's no Ty Law. But we probably ought to put him in because he was what three Super Bowls? How many Super Bowls? I think three. Yeah, I think three. I'm, I don't know if he was on that first team that won it. I don't know why he wouldn't be. No, he wasn't. He wasn't, he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. That was the Debucky Jones, Lawyer Malloy um, tandem. Yeah, okay. Um, now, these are guys that I don't think are going to get in. Jahari Evans. No. Eric Allen. You know – Eric Allen had the the pick six record before uh, Deron Bland uh, beat it this year. Four pick sixes. He played on was he was big time for the for the Eagles. The uh, oh man, New Orleans, New Orleans. Yeah, six time Pro Bowler. I don't know. Yeah, I'll say yes. Okay. Uh, and Willie Anderson, last but not least. Willie Anderson. No. No. Okay. You? No. No. The only guys I got on this list making it is – oh, I'm sorry. I missed one. Patrick Willis. Sorry. Linebacker. I mean, I like Patrick Willis. I love watching him play, but is he one of the best of all time? No. If Tommy Nobis ain't in. If Tommy Nobis ain't in, I can't I can't vote for if you go look at Patrick Willis stats compared to Ray Lewis, they are so damn close. Like without all the dancing and you know, potentially killing somebody in the Super Bowls, he'd be right there with Ray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't know. I just didn't think Patrick Willis was doing all that hooping and hollering that Ray Lewis did, which, again, Ray Lewis, one of the greatest defenses of all time, that 2000 Ravens squad. Uh, squad. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's tough. I get why these guys, some of these guys don't make it for a long time. This is hard to do. It's hard to get some of these guys in. But, yeah, I, I feel like Antonio Gates is a top five tight end of all time. I throw him in there. Devin Hester. Sorry, Rob, but Devin Hester, like, when you change the game and how people look at football, I think Devin Hester is one of those guys. Like, impact has to mean something. You know, I get it. He wasn't a big-time receiver or position player, but his impact when it came to kick return and punt return, it's just, like, no doubt. Hester and Matt Cap need to be in. I feel better about Jared Allen 
He's got 136 career sacks. Dwight Freeney is like 10 spots behind him. So Freeney's got to wait. Jared Allen should go in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Andre Johnson, we threw him in. Darren Woodson. No Rodney Harrison for you? I think Rodney Harrison will get in. Okay. Yeah. He was tough, man. I wouldn't come across the middle of Rodney Harrison out there lurking. That's for damn sure. So, okay. Yeah, and the Reggie Wayne versus Andre Johnson is gonna be is gonna be tricky, but that's just how I feel. Yeah. I'd... Again, Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne, they got the rings over Andre. So I guess that's what the committee will look at. But when you have two of the best quarterbacks of all time that are in the Hall of Fame waiting for those guys, like that helps too. Come on, Peyton Manning was ridiculous. Kurt Warner, greatest show on turf, ridiculous. So when I got Matt Schwab throwing it to me. There's a difference there. You know what I'm saying? There's like Matt Schwab's balding ass who looked like he was 45 years old when he was really just 28. Like there's a difference. And Andre Johnson was still pulling up numbers and still getting open with guys like that. So, yeah, I throw Andre in, man. And with how he beat down Cortland Fitt again, he deserves to be in too. Like oh, see? when you go and press that button, when you go to Canton and you see the highlight tape of whoever you're looking at that made it, it better have a highlight of Andre Johnson giving Cortland Finnegan that two piece of the biscuit, baby, because that's a legendary, not only Houston, Texas moment, but NFL moment. That was one of my favorite moments in NFL history. Classic. All right. You know what time it is. We both went 3-0 and last week. Let's go. We both went 3-0 and last week in the picks. You want me to go first? Yeah, let's go. You go first. I'll go first. All right. So we know that the Cowboys and the Lions are playing tomorrow night. And the Cowboys are favored by five and a half points. If the Cowboys win this game, it's going to be by three. It ain't going to be by five and a half, but the wrong team may be favored. Give me the Lions plus. Oh, such a homer. Plus five and a half. Such a homer. I love it. I love it. Um, the uh, The – Washington Commanders are not very good. They don't even know who's going to play quarterback for them, but something tells me that my man Ron Rivera will have the Commanders ready, and they will not lose by 13 and a half to the 49ers, even though the 49ers are coming off a horrible loss and should be snarling mad. Now that I think about it, maybe I should rethink this pick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I am going to rethink this pick. 
And I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals plus six and a half against the Chiefs. I have been killing it by going against the Chiefs. Yeah. So give me the Bengals plus six and a half against the Chiefs. And then I'm going to go over to I'm going to go over to the college game and give me the Missouri Tigers, Mizzou plus 5 against Ohio State in tonight's Liberty Bowl. Okay. Um And uh, you know what? Forget that Bengals pick. Uh-oh, switching it up. Not too confident. Forget, forget the Bengals pick. Give me, give me the Memphis tag. No, actually, give me, yeah, give me the Memphis Tigers plus 10 and a half against Iowa State. Ah, okay. So, Detroit Lions have a tough plus... game today, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. So, Lions plus five and a half. Mizzou plus five against Ohio State. And Memphis plus ten and a half against Iowa State. Okay. I like it. I like it. All right, Chip. Since you picked the Lions, it's only fitting that I picked the Cowboys minus five and a half. I got to take them, lose two in a row. You're pissed off. You're an awful team on the road, but you won't be on the road for this game. You will be at Jerry World inside, indoors. You know the weather's going to be good. Dak's probably pissed off. Everybody's written him off on MVP and stuff. Hey, you got to prove your dominance. I don't care if you put that like a lion's hat in the camera. I'm with Jack. Does that lion's hat smell like that stinky lake up there? Yeah, man, we're talking mess while doing it. That's what I'm talking about. Cowboys winning this game, take the points, minus five and a half. They're actually going to get that running game going. Micah Parsons, he's tired of being held. Jared Goff's going to get taken down at least four or five times. Love you, Amon Ra. John's a great part of the show. We love having him on. But Deron Bland and Stephon Gilmore, lock up time, baby. Lock up time. <laughs> Got the Cowboys, minus five. Next. We're going to Chicago. Next. We're going to Chicago. Falcons, plus two and a half. Taking the Falcons. Wrong team oh favorite. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, he's figured it out. They just blew out the Colts last week. Bijan Robinson's getting the ball. Taylor Heineke's the starter. Heineke magic. This is when he starts feeling himself during December, January. Don't let the Falcons squeak their way into the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen because Baker Mayfield has been playing his ass off as of late, and it looks like the Buccaneers are going to win the South. But Falcons still have a lot to play for. Again, Bijan Robinson is actually 
the uh, focal point of the offense, which I don't know why it's taking this long to make him that, but it is what it is. They figured it out. Falcons plus two and a half. And last but not least, Raiders going to Indianapolis. We talked about Coach Pierce and how everybody wants to play for him. They want him to keep his job. The way that they looked against Kansas City Christmas Day was incredible. Max Crosby, like you said earlier, he's your pick to win defensive player of the year. He's my pick to win defensive player of the year. That dude is a dog. And Gardner Minshew, he's starting to play like Gardner Minshew during this time of the year and just cause a lot of turnovers and be a problem. Wrong team favored. I am taking the points for Vegas plus three and a half. Those are my picks for the week. Boom. Let's go. Boom. I like the Vegas. I like the Raiders pick. Yeah, man. I do like the Raiders pick. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. The Raiders yeah, we were real will, petty. Uh, what's that? The Raiders were real petty at Arrowhead last week. They were oh, talking yeah. all talking all types of shit. You know. Oh yeah. Saying for a team that doesn't. Yeah. They were smoking cigars after the game. Right? Smoking cigars, drinking, living good. Living good. Living good. Yeah, man. Um, What's the today, man? Where are we eating today? Uh today. Um, we are going to a play a seafood restaurant called Seaworthy. Okay. And then um yeah. And then tomorrow comes early, 8:15. Y'all will be driving down here. What time y'all leaving? I don't know. Trey just sent the message. BK's got the car already. Me and at his apartment. We're leaving around eight. So we'll be down there, what, three tomorrow-ish? I mean, if Bucky Gobble's going to be with us, we're going to have to make a stop every freaking hour for him to piss. No, so- we're getting him a 64-ounce Gatorade bottle. <laughs> No, hell no. I'm not trying to smell that old See, ass That's why, Jesse. Yo, you're, no, we're stopping. We're stopping on the side of the road. He's going to have to man up and whip it out and do it in the grass, and we're going to keep on rolling. We cannot. Not efficient. We got to be more efficient than that. We'll, oh uh, we'll just God. put a tight cap on it after every time he uses it. We'll have like four or five of those things. Oh. Trey, I am counting on you to – be the documentarian of this trip. So we need video. I mean, I'm counting on you. Oh, there will be some Facebook lives. I guess I need to let people in the car know when I'm Facebook living things, but yeah, there will be Facebook lives and some videos that are going to be posted out over social media. People should give us a follow. Uh, The various Ats, I think Twitter is TS unfiltered. I forget what Instagram is, but yeah, follow us on all of those things because there will be some good content tomorrow over the course of what will probably turn into an eight to nine hour drive. 
Yeah. And <laughs> like and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. So right. who, who's in the car tomorrow? It's yeah, who's driving? I think we're gonna split driving duties up. I don't know. I'm fine driving. I like driving on road trips, but Zay, it sounds like you're cool driving too. BK yeah, is offered to drive a little bit. I think everybody but Bucky. I think it's gonna be the four of us, and everybody but Bucky may have a hand in driving before it's all said and done. Now, getting back on Tuesday is a completely different story. I don't know what that's going to be. It's supposed to be raining that day. This this could be a complete nightmare getting back on Tuesday uh, because there are going to be a lot of people on the roads, obviously, heading back to Texas from New Orleans. Louisiana highways are trash. Uh, we're, we're all hopefully going to be on the high of Texas having won the game the night before, but who knows how sleep-deprived we're all going to be. Yeah, that that's the the part of this trip that I'm most concerned about. Is there any chance you just stop in Houston and just start doing shows? There's a chance that I book a flight back to Austin from New Orleans <laughs> early Tuesday morning. Well, uh, I'm fired up. So we we will have um, – so our next show is Sunday? Yes. Or Monday. At Manning's. Yeah, Sunday at Manning's. BK sent the email. Let me double check this so I don't give the wrong times here. But we do have a live show on Monday. Um, excuse me, on Sunday from 2 to 5 at Manning's, which is connected to Harrah's downtown. And then we are going to do something at Manning's on Monday as well from 2 to 6 at the Texas One Fund party. And then we're also just going to be popping on the stream at our Airbnb over the course of those three days as well. And there's probably going to be some utter shenanigans happening. Yeah. Who's staying at the Airbnb? How many rooms? Because for what All I'm right. in, we're going to be deep. I got to run to an interview, but everybody tune in for these live streams because it's going to be money. Yeah. See you, Chip. All right, boys. Safe, safe travels. Safe travels. Yeah.